Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership, where we connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important topics to help us on our journey towards greater significance. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. Thane Marcus Ringler is a former professional golfer turned speaker, writer, and development coach living in Denver, Colorado with his wife, Evan. In his current work, Thane's mission is to help others live and work better. He is passionate about speaking to the journey from the journey and is striving to empower this generation to take ownership of their lives and never settle for less than they are capable of. Thane is also the host of The Up and Comer Show, a podcast all about the process of becoming and living with intentionality, while sharing stories from other inspiring up-and-comers along the way. To find more on Thane and his work, visit thanemarcus.com. That's T-H-A-N-E-M-A-R-C-U-S dot com. Welcome, Thane Marcus Ringler. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Lily. Uh, excited to be with you today. We're excited. Are you ready to pour into our listeners? I am ready. <laughs> All right. So, Thane, tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now. Mm. Well, as I'm sure you know, and everyone listening knows, the path is a very windy road. And usually we learn what not to do before we learn what to do. And <laughs> so that's definitely true for me. Um, and a lot of my path to leadership entailed me falling on my face and learning the hard way from failure. I competed as a golfer ever since I was a little kid. And I love the sport of golf because you had to take full ownership of all the results. And as a kid, and I was naturally talented, it was like, that's a really good thing because then I don't have to worry about anyone else dragging me down and I can take, you know, full ownership of all the positive results. But you don't realize as a kid that there's a lot more negative results that come than positive. And the older you get, the more you realize you probably won't win as much as you think you will. So golf really taught me a lot of things about leadership. And a lot of it is, about taking full ownership of the results of your thoughts, behaviors, and actions and everything that results from that because there is no one else to blame. There's no teammates, referees, coaches, etc. You're on an island and all the results are based on your work, your input. And so golf is a great arena to learn leadership lessons of life that you need to take full ownership of all the good and the bad and everything in between because no one else will do that for you. And that's something that golf definitely instilled in me. And the other is, as I kept growing and competing throughout college and then ended up playing professionally for about four years, I really began to learn the importance of never settling and the reality that we cannot settle for less than we're capable of if we want to have success. And as a golfer playing at a high level, that is especially true. If I took a shot off or didn't give my all on each 
shot that I had during a round, there was no way I was going to have any success. The margin for error is too small and there's too many good golfers out there. And that's really true in life too. You know, we as humans have a lot of potential, each one of us, and they're individually gift and we have different wirings and talents. But so often we all settle for less than our best or what we're capable of. And to be honest, that's just part of being human, right? If we don't make a choice, we default to the path of least resistance. And so it's a daily conscious choice that we have to make to say, I'm not going to settle for less than what I can give in this moment, in this work or in this relationship. And that's something that golf really taught me as well. So what is it that you're doing now? So since playing golf, I ended up pivoting partly due to an injury in my body that I couldn't compete for about five times over a year and a half and decided to pivot. I felt I could be more effective outside the world of golf than within it. And so I pivoted into the world of personal and professional development. I became a speaker and a writer and a development coach working with individuals on personal and professional development. So that's what I've been doing for the last three to four years. I also host a podcast called The Up and Comer Show. But my main focus is really on developing leadership, starting with the self. So it's self-leadership. And I believe self-leadership is the foundational elements of self-leadership are self-awareness and discipline. So a lot of what I try to instill in others and in myself is growth in self-awareness and in discipline, because with that foundation, we can then begin leading ourselves well, which will then in turn lead to us leading others well in a helpful way. But, you know, if we try to flip those around, a lot of times we think about I want to become a leader. I want to have all these people I lead. And we try to jump into those positions before maybe we're ready. And if we do that without working on ourselves first, we set not only ourselves up for failure, but all the people that we are leading also will suffer consequences from that lack of leadership of our own self. Mm -hmm. uh, so really it's being patient with the process and starting with ourself. You know, you're speaking my language because I absolutely believe that. It's important to tap into people like Thane. So Thane, where can we find you? Yeah, I am on really any platform. ThaneMarcus.com is my headquarters for all that I do. So you can find the blogs, the books, podcasts, courses, etc. All of that will be on ThaneMarcus.com. And all the socials, I'm typically at ThaneMarcus as well. So that'd be a great place to look. Great. Now you wrote a book or two. Yes. <laughs> Tell us about that. Yes. Yeah. So the first one really, the desire came when I was playing professionally and I was struggling with this injury. I didn't know if I'd be able to keep competing and I had investors backing me and I wanted to be able to give them something in return for their investment in me. If I can't repay that financially, what could I do to say thank you? And this idea of writing a book about all that the journey had taught me about life and about personal growth and development. What if I wrote a book and gave that to them as a way to say, this is what you gave me. So that's what the first book was. It's called From Here to There, A Quarter Life Perspective on the Path to Mastery. And it's really breaking down the mental models and frameworks that I found in my own pursuit of mastery within golf that apply to most realms of pursuit of excellence in any field, really. And that was an amazing process for me. It took about 18 months. Uh, so it's brutal, hard, not fun, not sexy, right? <laughs> and... Um, it's just a tough process, but it was really rewarding in that it clarified my experiences in golf in a way that I could make sense of them and create these frameworks that then could provide benefit not only for myself, but for others and the people I work with. That was kind of a launching point for my work and my thought process. And then the second one that just came out last year is called Catalyst for Hope, Unlocking Energy, Optimism, and Your Full Potential. 
And really, it was kind of a book that was based on what I felt we were all going through last year, which is a season where we feel very hopeless a lot of times. More and more people were feeling like there isn't hope out there because of the situation we all found ourselves in on all different aspects. And the point of the book is just to share that we can find hope wherever we are, whenever we look for it. And the point is we must look for it and seek it out. And and a lot of times the simplest way to find hope is just to shift our perspective or reframe our perspective on what we're facing. So the book shares four different catalysts or four different ways that shifting your perspective can produce hope in our lives. So it's a short to read, but one that I wanted to uh, get out into the world so that people can be more hope filled or hopeful, which is an amazing fuel for all that we do in life. And we can find those books on your website, thanemarcus.com. Correct. And they're on Amazon as well. Perfect. Now I wrote down some words as you were talking, what comes up for me in your leadership. And so I wrote down that you're driven (laughs) extremely driven, that you have this sense of responsibility. And I love that because when you talked about your investors, you wanted to give them something back. And so that's important to have a sense of responsibility as a leader. High integrity. I mean, you apologize for being a minute late. (laughs) That's honoring and you're fiercely independent. Those are things that I connect with. And those are things that I had to work on because being independent, it's okay. But being fiercely independent sometimes has its drawbacks. And you're very tuned in to what's going on. I love listening to your story. So you started off as a golfer and it's a sport where you're responsible for all these things. Now shifting to a team sport, right? Shifting to leading people. How was that for you? Yeah, well, I just want to say thank you for that word sharing. It's fun to hear feedback and someone that is also tuned in and intuitive to what is being said and presented. I I think it means a lot and it shows your heart in this work, which is really cool. And I resonate deeply with a lot of those for sure. And um, when it comes to transitioning from golf into coaching and working with individuals as a team, it is different um, in the sense that I think because my natural tendency was to be independent, because a lot of what I did and chose to do in life was on an independent track, that's how I think I'm naturally wired. But I also was able to see the limitations in that. I was able to see, you know, how much I actually suffered from not having more people around me or in my community, especially on the professional golf journey. That's something that if, if I could go back and change something, I would have tried to do less of it alone. I was very much kind of a lone warrior out there and it hurt me in a lot of ways. And so learning those lessons was really important. And then now coming into a realm where I get to work with individuals and other people and be a part of their team has been so fulfilling because, you know, golf, naturally your career is your sport. You're so focused on yourself because that is the business in a sense. And it can be frustrating and unhealthy in some ways because it, it kind of is all consuming. And so now I get to have my focus be much more on other people, which is really way more fulfilling. And it's fun to see that life is all about relationships. It's all about people. Without people, life is meaningless. And so being able to come alongside others and try to unlock their best and come alongside and support them in their work has been super fulfilling. And it definitely is a different type of mindset, but I think it's also natural for us as humans. Uh, We each are gifted in unique ways. And so when you are one slice of the pie and there's someone else's another slice of the pie, coming together makes a bigger slice of the pie. It makes it more complete. And I think that's also how we're kind of created and designed as humans. So you're currently a coach, you coach others. As a coach, how important is it for leaders 
to have an inner circle and have coaching. Talk to us about that. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I think is so beneficial about coaching is it's someone that's not within your inner circle, right? It's someone that isn't seeing you all the time, doesn't have all this context to share with you or see you in your daily life. And what that provides is an extra layer of objectivity because I don't know my client's every day, all encompassing background, I get to see it a little bit more clear that's not shaped by maybe biases or judgments that we have had with knowing someone. And that's really an underrepresented benefit of coaching. But I think both of them, like you said, are really important because we do need an inner circle of confidants that we can also go through and help make decisions with and support each other on the daily basis. But also having a coach is super beneficial to come in and hold us to a higher level of accountability and even a higher level of integrity that sometimes our inner circle can hold us to. I mean, really what the coaching work is, is like you said, it's holding people to live with integrity, saying you are the person you say you are who you want to be. And really every single day we have a chance to succeed or fail at that and then rinse and repeat. And as humans, we all struggle with this. There's not a human that's immune to the struggle with living with integrity. It's a practice that we have to work on every single day. And so a lot of my work at the core of it focuses on living with integrity and how can we do that more successfully each and every day. Love it. Thank you. Now, we're currently hopefully in the process of recovering from the global COVID-19 pandemic. We're not sure, right? Mm-hmm. How has that affected you? Everyone's been affected by it, myself included. You know, I ended up getting married and moving to new city. I'm in Denver, Colorado, and I was in LA before. And I did both those things in March, right when kind of the pandemic hit. So it's been a wild ride for my wife and I, as we've started our family out, adjusting from singleness to marriage has been a big change. Facing a new city and a pandemic has been a big change, trying to create community as a couple. I mean, there's so many challenges that we've faced. I mean, I knew coming into the year just with planning on getting married, that there was gonna be a lot of change. And so one of my favorite things about starting a new year is a word of the year as a way to kind of set an intention and see how that shifts and changes throughout the year and then reflect on it. And last year, I felt the word that would be fitting is adventure. And little did I know how much of an adventure it would be. So really, that idea of adventure has helped me reframe a lot of it in those moments where change is just piling on top of each other. And you're trying to figure out how to find something sustainable within that. And this idea of adventure that it's a beautiful adventure. It's a wild ride. We get to try and figure things out that maybe we hadn't expected before is a great way to view something like the pandemic and this whole last year because no one's immune to it. And I think the other thing that's really been helpful is Nassim Taleb's book, Anti-Fragile. I read it actually and got done with it before the pandemic. And that book really does a great job of exposing this idea of how can we become humans that actually benefit from chaos, that benefit from heavy amounts of change, because life is more chaos than it is consistent. It's more filled with change than it is the same. And so with it not being stagnant, with as humans, us not being stagnant, how can we get good where we benefit from those things and not be harmed from it? We're not just stay the same. That's what resilience is. But anti-fragility takes it a step further saying, we're actually going to benefit from a lot of change. It makes us better humans. So that's been a lot of my 
mindset. And yet at the same time, I'm affected by it like everyone else. I mean, there's days where I just feel heavy. And especially with the lockdowns, you know, the second round of lockdowns, my wife and I, we felt heavier. It was hard to describe, but we really tangibly felt like, uh, you know, as a bigger, uh, because it was just repeating. And so we've all felt this for sure. And that's a great word, adventure. That was for 2020. What's your word for this year? This year, it is deeper. And I'm really excited about the word because I want things to be deeper. I want my relationships to be deeper. I want my faith to be deeper. I want my work to be deeper and more meaningful. I mean, I want to build more roots. It's this idea of kind of roots growing down deeper to build even more of a foundation for the future and what's to come. And I've been thinking a lot more long term. I think. I had a couple of grandparents pass away this last year and listening to their legacy and their generational impact they've made through their lives when we celebrated them, it's just inspired me to think about how can I be thinking more hundred year goals, like leaving the impact for the multiple generations to come and what kind of legacy we can leave and the decisions we can make in the day to day that can affect that. So I think deeper has something to do with that as well. I'm super inspired thing that at mm. this stage in your life, you're thinking about legacy. That just shows a lot of wisdom. And I love the word too, deeper and growing roots, really nourishing those roots. Now, as a lifelong learner, which you clearly are, what are you learning right now? You know, I am learning a lot about focus, <laughs> believe it or not. You know, I feel like I've been a very focused person, but then you realize that there's areas of compromise. And I think what I've learned is I have been focused on quite a few balls and buckets in the air, which has limited, obviously, my ability to emphasize one of them and do the best within one of them. So a lot of what I'm learning right now is what it looks like to not necessarily discard, but maintain some of those things while keeping my focus centered on my primary objective, which is the coaching work I do. And so that's been something I'm learning more recently. And then the other thing I'd say is, again, like what it looks like to even more so become a team player. I like that you brought that up earlier. And, you know, I've been able to do that with my clients and people I've worked with, but I haven't done that necessarily with people that are in the similar work that I'm doing. And so my goal this year is really to grow my capacity as a teammate to people who are doing the same type of work that I am and partnerships with other people to level up and what we can do and really prioritize that so that I don't just rinse and repeat kind of the lone warrior. So it's another level a deeper, I guess, of being a teammate. And it does take a lot of intentionality because mm. when you're wired that way, where you're fiercely independent to mm -hmm. move in a different direction, it does have its benefits, but it does take intentionality. So I'm with you. Mm -hmm. Now, when you think of leadership today, Thane, what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? I think the thing that concerns me the most and at the same time, I'm most hopeful about, it's almost the same thing, this idea of size. Like I think size changes leadership so much. So when you're a part of a government institution, when you're part of a major corporation, when you're part of a large church, whatever it is, right? The larger the organization, the more your position of leadership changes and also can begin corrupting. And so this idea of what are the elements that corrupt leadership the most, I think size has to be one of those. Yet at the same time, we can't just blow up whatever the biggest things are and expect that to be a good transition, right? It needs to be 
reformed from within. And so this idea of how do you reform these major institutions, including even like the education system, right? It's obviously not optimal. There's so many broken parts of it. Yet, how do you encourage or change that in a healthy way. That's a hard thing to do. And really this book, uh, Servant Leadership by Robert Greenleaf has been a really great read. It's I think in the 70s, he wrote it. And it's just a great framework of what it looks like to really foster healthy leadership. It's servant leadership done within these institutions. And so, you know, a lot of times we think about just completely starting over and making new things from scratch or coming in from the outside into some place and reforming from that. But really the most sustainable way historically for this sustainable change that's positive and helpful is going to be reforming it from within and developing leaders that are servant leaders within those institutions that can do that hard work. And then those leaders that grow through that and are able to do that, how do you counteract the corrupting nature of leadership? And I think that's a really tough question. And I don't necessarily have great answers for it, but that's something that's on my mind. There's no human that's immune to that. We all can fall prey to that very easily. And so how do we counteract that? You said that how do we counteract the corrupting nature of leadership? What do you mean by that? And here's why I'm asking, because if you're looking at leadership as servant leadership, then it doesn't have a corrupting nature. I think we can be susceptible to corruption because of power, because mm -hmm. of all the elements that come with leadership. So speak into that. Yeah, no, I love that point you brought up because it's an interesting idea. But I think one thing, if you look at a very surface form of leadership, if you look at social media, right, when you have people following you, right, like as a leader, that means there's people that follow you or look up to you. That's kind of the base principle. And the more that you have that, the more highly you think of yourself, right? And so social media is a very small example of that, this very poor form of leadership, in a sense, it has no necessarily correlation, no causation, really, of leadership in that sense. You have the influence, yeah. but it doesn't necessarily mean you're a leader. Yeah, it doesn't mean you've earned it. It doesn't mean that it's worthy of having that. It just means that it's attracted that. So, you know, what's interesting about that is that form of leadership puffs up the one that has all those followers, and it puts down the others. And so you think about like, the people that follow they look up to this person, they feel worse about themselves because of what they see from this leader. And a lot of times it's not healthy, right? And so this relationship of leader follower isn't healthy. And I think that's a small picture of the greater picture that in any leadership position, when you have people following you, we will naturally as humans think more of ourselves than we probably should. And so, like you said, how do we continue to be a servant leader in all levels of leadership, regardless of how many people or how few people or how big of company or how small of company, how can we still have the humility to know that we are not better than any other human being? We're the same human as the person next to me, despite us having different titles and roles. And a lot of that deals with our identity and that's putting our identity too much in what we do instead of who we are. But it's a tough thing. I think it's a natural thing for us as humans to start thinking more of ourselves and myself included when we have more people that are following us in any capacity. Absolutely. Now, you spoke on humility, which I think is a key strong pillar in an effective leader. And in my journey, what I've connected is that you can't have wisdom without humility. And humility is the hard thing. We don't always want to eat crow, right? When we need to. Mm -hmm. 
But when we do, then we grow in our wisdom. And that's a beautiful thing, but it's one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. And it's a practice too. You know, I don't think we like arrive at that destination. (laughs) I think we just keep practicing it and hopefully we get better at practicing it. But yeah, I think that is the lifelong pursuit for sure. It is a practice. And that's why we need coaches in our lives. Now, you have an option here, Thane. You can take a question from a former guest, or you can share a challenge, a struggle, a failure that you've learned from. Ooh, those are both enticing. Let's do a question from a former guest. And I'd be happy to share failure as well if we have time, but that one intrigued me the most. Absolutely. Okay, so Casey Riles wants to know, what's your next wise move? My next wise move is to embrace the discomfort of what it means to really focus solely on my coaching practice and building the programs that I believe in. And one of them is a golf program that kind of combines my golf background and my coaching background for a one-day development solution for executives and leaders. And it's something that I've developed and had on my agenda for over a year now, and I still have not got it into the world, and that's on me. So what would be a wise move is just keeping my focus on that, doing the hard work of building the relationships, having the conversations needed, and testing it in real time in the world to get what I believe in out in the world. And I don't have any excuse to not do that. And that's a wise move. I love it. All right. So as a listener of this podcast, Thane, what is a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? What are you curious about? Mm. I'll give a hard ball and a softball question. (laughs) This is probably one of the hardest questions I've ever heard and have given is out of your current beliefs, which of them is most likely to be wrong? And I think that's one of the most challenging questions because obviously what we believe to be true, we believe to be true. Every human being thinks that they're right. We all do. And yet we have a lot of blind spots. We have a lot of things that aren't true or aren't fully true from what we believe and think. So that's a really hard question, especially on the spot to be like, wow, what is most likely to be untrue out of what I believe? That's a very, very hard question. So that's hardball, softball. I think the one that would be fun to hear again is that combination of what are the elements or factors that corrupt leadership most and how do we counteract that? Oh, and that's the softball? <laughs> that's, well, yeah, I guess it's not that soft, but I think that was the one that was probably front on my mind coming into today. Absolutely wonderful questions. I'm going to sit with these, actually. (laughs) (laughs) There are some tough ones. Yes, yes. (laughs) All right. So, Thane, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? I guess the last thing would just be the rally cry for us all to take ownership and never settle. You know, self-leadership, leadership leadership always starts with us. It it starts with self, leading ourselves well so that we can lead others well. And that means we take ownership of our thoughts, actions, behaviors, and we never settle for less than we're capable of. And that's a daily practice. I'm trying to do that just as much as I hope you are. And if we can all commit to that, it's amazing to see what kind of change and good can come from that when we start with the individual and move out from there. I love that. Never settle. Thane, I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. Well, thanks for having me on, Lily. This has been a lot of fun chatting with you and just a job well done on this podcast. Thank you. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. 
So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.